welcome to the Queen's Church Sermon Podcast. Our church is being built on two vision statements. Jesus is our passion and love is our mission. We hope this message leads you to Jesus and that next week you'll join us in person to experience God's love through this local church. You can follow us online at qns.church. Go ahead and take a seat and as you're doing that also... Uh, open up to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 6 is where we're going to be. Uh, as soon as you get there, just say, Danny, I got it. Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 1. It'll also be on the screen if you don't have a Bible with you, or you can download the Bible app. Those are really good and awesome to have. Thank you, Austin. So grateful that you got it. There you go. I was waiting for you all to get it. Bible apps are great, uh, but they're also a distraction because then uh, Instagram pops up, so be careful with that. Maybe you can just, like, silence all other apps. Uh, Like Larry said a while ago, we're going to continue on this series uh, today through the Sermon on the Mount that we've been doing for several weeks now since September. Uh, And then after today, we're pausing on studying the Sermon on the Mount because uh, it's Christmas, right? So we have to pause for Christmas. Amen. Uh, So next week, we're actually doing a little Christmas series. uh, Then we're going to come back to the Sermon on the Mount in January. Uh, So get ready for that and get excited for that. But we're going to continue the Sermon on the Mount today. Uh, looking at Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. And just to kind of recap a little bit, the Sermon on the Mount is something that that I love deeply. Uh, It's it's three chapters uh, in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. Three chapters, 111 verses, all the words of Jesus. It's so challenging to hear these words, but it's also comforting to hear these words as well. And we see Jesus just challenging us in ways that, that he challenged us to do things that we would never do outside of relationship with him, like loving your enemies, right? Not an easy thing to do, but whenever we have this relationship with Jesus, we're able to do things like that um, and how we battle anger and lust and all these other things. Uh, And Jesus goes after all these things. And so to kind of recap where we've been, we spent a lot of time looking at these inward attitudes, right, that Jesus calls us to have as a portrait of who he is, these inward attitudes. And now that's kind of flowing out into these outward expressions and how we express those attitudes, how we express his belief in Jesus, and so today, the, the really thing we're going to focus on is how do we outwardly express our relationship with God? What does that look like? Because it is personal. A lot of it is inward, right? We pray by ourselves. We read the Bible by ourselves. But how do we outwardly express this relationship that we have with God? Uh, because I believe there's a right way to do it. There's a very wrong way to do it, which Jesus is going to get into all that. So Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 1, we're going to read verses 1 through 4. Let's read it together, and then let's see what God has for us. It says this. Jesus says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your father who is in heaven. Thus, whenever you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Let's pray. Father God, teach us something this morning through your word. God, as we see these challenging words by Jesus, I pray that you would open up our minds, open up our hearts to receive what you want us to receive. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Uh, I have a question that I want you guys to just think about, right? So it's just like you don't have to answer this out loud. You don't have to raise your hand or anything like that. Just think about this question. The question is this. What motivates you? What motivates you to do something? What What's like, what kind of drives your passion to do something? Maybe, maybe it's a passion to, to read. It's a passion to write. It's a passion to go to the gym. It's a passion to do something. What motivates you to do those things? I want you to think about that. Uh, because for me personally, I'm a person who's easily motivated by so many things, right? Like if I hear like a powerful song, it like just brings me like to tears. I'm like, why am I crying right now? That was so powerful, I guess, right? Music moves us, right? Uh, but I'm easily motivated by things. I'm motivated by stories. I'm motivated by movies, motivated by music. Um, like maybe you guys have seen the movies. Maybe not. I don't know. Uh, but there's these movies that are Marvel-based about the Avengers, right? And so many of these movies is based on this superhero person, right? And I don't know why Marvel does this, because it happens almost in every single Avengers movie, is there's a scene where the superhero has his shirt off, or he's putting his shirt on, right? And the guy's just ripped and jacked, right? It's like all he did was work out for months for this role. Uh, and all of a sudden, when I see that scene, it motivates me to do what? I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to do some push-ups right now, right? I'm going to do some ab workouts right now, because I want to look like that, because that looks awesome, right? Uh, except for Thor in the last Avengers movie, I'm not motivated by that. If you know what I mean, then you get it. If outside of that, go watch it. Um, but I get motivated by those things, right? I'm just like, I see this, and I'm about to go to the gym right now. I'm going to pause this movie. It's going to be great. Um, and I'm going to go to the gym, but then I go to the gym one time, and then I don't go again for like two weeks, right? That's how it works. Amen. Um, and so we're, we're now officially in the Christmas season, right? And so a lot of times in the Christmas season, we see so many people are motivated to do what? To give back, right? It's a season of giving, this Christmas season, right? So we give gifts to our families, to our friends, to our loved ones. But we, we even give back to the community, right? We do things for people that we never even thought we'd do like, things for, right? Uh, we, we do all these amazing things to give back. Uh, it's an amazing season, right? Like I love what Johnny said. Christmas for them started like four weeks ago. It was the same for us, right? We started listening to Christmas music before Thanksgiving. Don't judge us. We love Christmas, right? Season of giving. And then right after Christmas in a couple of weeks, uh, there's another season, the season of New Year's, right? And for me, the season of New Year's is a season of changing, right? We change from one year to another, but then also what we do is we evaluate our lives. We look back on the year and we say, what was awesome? But what, what sucked? What was good? What was bad? Uh, and then we start thinking, like, what are ways that I can do things better in this new year, right? Um, anybody with me here? Uh, anybody still do New Year's resolutions or it's just me? Right? Wow, nice, awesome, right? So uh, I love New Year's resolutions, right? For like two weeks, <laughs> and then they stop, right? It's like, all right, well, that worked for like two weeks, right? But, but here's the thing. We get motivated by people. Like all the time around New Year's, I see people on social media like, I'm going to do this thing. Like, that's really cool. I like that idea. I'm going to do that too. Uh, and then we get motivated by people's stories and motivated by people's passions to go and then do things, right? But a lot of times what I see, what I feel, maybe this is me personally, but maybe you struggle with this too, is that a lot of times our motivation to do things like give back on Christmas or to do things like change in the New Year's times is motivated so people can see what we're doing, right? It's a motivation of public recognition, right? That we see things and we want, we want to do those things, but we also want people to know we're doing these things, right? I see this all the time, especially when I look on social media, is, is one of the things that always like kind of catches like my attention and I always thought was kind of funny. Uh, so part of like, like Christians, part of what we do is we do something called a fast, meaning we pause from something. Maybe you fast from food, you fast from media, you fast from something to bring your attention to God, right? And I love what Jesus says here because he, he gets into it later on also. 
but when you fast or when you give, like don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Meaning don't just publicize it like crazy because then what you're really doing is you're wanting the praise of people, right? And I've seen people do this. Hey, guys, I'm going to be off social media for six months. Catch me somewhere else. It's like, I mean, how about you just get off social media for six? Like you don't have to announce it to the world of what you're doing, right? And I get it. Like, I, like they want people to know, like, hey, in case you try to get me on here, like I'm not going to be there. But the, but the idea, I think the, the heart behind it, the root behind it, is that we want people to know what we're doing, right? Because I think as a culture and as individuals, we strive for public recognition. We strive for public attention. We strive for people to know what is going on in our lives. We long for that idea. We long for that, just for that, that knowing that people have an idea of what we're doing. We long for public recognition. And I see this all the time. There's another thing that recently happened. Uh, Larry and I were talking about this the other day, and I'm not sure if you noticed this, but if you have Instagram, um, here's what happened that Instagram changed recently is that before when you look at somebody's picture, right? If, if Johnny posted a picture, I can see how many likes he got in that picture. Let's say everybody in the room liked it and all his family and friends, you got like 60 likes. So I can see that 60 likes. But now Instagram recently changed that to where if Johnny posts a picture, I don't know how many people liked it, right? And we started thinking like, why did they do that? And probably there's some hidden like agenda in there, right? What's your motivation? Probably something about money. But what they told people was like, like we don't want people to know like who's liking what or how many people are liking this picture. Because what happens is that it creates this temptation for comparison. That if I post a picture and Johnny posts a picture at the same time, man, I can be like, look, Johnny, I got 100 more likes than you did. Look how awesome I am, right? And then we start building ourselves up and building up this pride. And we see, like, I got more public recognition than you did. And that's what social media does is you look at something, you look at what people are doing, and you try to do a similar thing, but yet you don't get as much recognition as what they did. And all of a sudden now you start feeling like, man, like no one loves me anymore. And it's like started getting down on yourself. And just like, what are you doing, right? Just get over it, right? But we, we see that so much, and we see Instagram doing that, that they now remove the temptation for a comparison. And I started seeing that in myself, too, now, where it's like, I remember before, I used to check, how many, how many likes did they get, right? Summer and I used to do this a little bit, like, kind of jokingly, like, all right, I'll post a picture of us, and you post a picture of us, and let's see who gets more likes, right? Uh, well, she got 120, but I only got 100, so she beat me, right? Every time I post a picture of me in Summer, it always gets more likes than when I just post a picture of randomness, right? So, uh, so sometimes we will do that, right? And so we see that we just long and crave this public attention. We crave people's recognition. And when I'm just thinking, like, man, get over yourself. Some of you guys know this person. He's a great cultural theologian. His name is Terrell Owens, right? He played football in the NFL. Um, he was famous for saying this statement, I love me some me. He would say that. He would score a touchdown, go to the sideline, I love me some me. It's like, bro, all right. <laughs> Because we want people to know what we're doing because so often in our culture, we long for this public approval. We long for this public recognition. I feel like this is exactly what Jesus is going after here in Matthew chapter 6, right? He's saying in our pursuit of righteousness, which we're going to define that word here in a second, in our pursuit of doing good things, what's our motivation behind that? The entire Sermon on the Mount is Jesus going after the heart of the issue, which we've been talking about that throughout this entire series, is Jesus wants to attack the root to produce the right result, right? And he's doing that same thing here. What's the motivation behind what you're doing here, right? And so if you look at the flow of what Jesus is doing, it's very, it's very amazing how he teaches, right? He's the greatest teacher of all time. But he begins Matthew chapter 5 by looking at the Beatitudes, the inward attitudes of our hearts. And what Jesus is doing in that moment is he wants us to see how spiritual poverty that we are in. That without Jesus, we don't have anything. And without Jesus, we can't really do anything when it comes to our relationship with God. 
right, that we are spiritually impoverished without Jesus, right? So he's saying, he's trying to get us to recognize this, that you can't do anything. I did it for you. Let's have this relationship together, right? And whenever, like, until we realize our need for Jesus, we're, we're not going to really understand why we need Jesus at all. Until we understand how low we are in our spiritual, like, in our spiritualness, we're not going to understand how much grace that God desires to give us in those moments, right? And so Jesus gets us low to understand our need for him, right? And then here's what happens. He gets us low. Maybe we accept him. So now we're like, all right, Jesus, me and you, like, we're good now. Let's do this thing. Let's, I want to have this relationship with you. He starts teaching us how to relate to different people. All right, well, don't get angry with this person. Love this person. Don't look at that person that way because then that's lust, right? Cut your eye out, all, all that fun stuff, right? Uh, and so then we started looking at these relationships. So now we're at this point where we're actually doing good for God, right? That we're, we're serving our local church. We're reading our Bibles every day. We're praying every day. We're doing all these awesome things. And now Jesus goes to the other side of the spectrum. He's saying, at first you were spiritually low. And now you're doing all these amazing things for me, and now you're spiritually high. Now you're up here. But here's the danger, is that we can be so spiritually high, and then we start doing good things for other people. We start serving and singing on the worship team, and all of a sudden, as we're singing, someone says, man, you did a really good job. And then you say, yeah, I did an awesome job, right? Like, after the sermon, like, you're going to be like, man, Danny, you did an awesome job. I'm going to be like, you know what? I did do an awesome job. Thank you for that, right? And we start building ourselves up. And Jesus says, no, that's the wrong reason of why you're doing it, for the praise of people. So we can either be on this side of trying to impress God with our good deeds, and it's not going to work. Or we can be on this side trying to impress people with our good deeds, and that's not going to work either, right? It's kind of like you're on this boat, and all of a sudden, on this side of the boat, you get thrown off because you're trying to do all these things to impress God. And God's like, yeah, bro, I'm God. Like, try to impress me. I dare you. But then you get on this side, and you're trying to do all these things to impress people. And you're like, well, what's the big deal? Like, I'm still serving the church, but I know that I love the public recognition. The thing is that both people are off the boat, right? No one's in the boat at that point, right? And what God's trying to do to us in this moment is saying, what's your motivation? What's the heart behind what you're doing? Is it to be recognized by people? Or is it simply just to praise and worship me? Right? We gave away like 100 coats on Friday, and someone could look at Queen's Church. Man, Queen's Church, you guys are awesome. Yeah, we are awesome. Thank you so much, right? Amen. Rather than give the glory to where the glory is supposed to be given. And here's the crazy thing, is that I believe this is not the first time Jesus warns us of this, right? Think back to when we talked about uh, the passages of salt and light, right? Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. And he said, so that your good works may be shown to the glory of you. Is that what he says? No, he says, the glory of your father. People may see the glory of your father by your good works, right? By the things that we do, right? So he's already warning us there. Our good works are not about us. It's about Jesus. It's about the father. Our good works are not about us, right? And then it, once again here, he says, hey, whenever you give, whenever you do these things, it's not about you. It's not about people seeing what you're doing, right? It's about your father. And we're going to get to that here in a second because he says that a couple of times. So go back to Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. Look at the first word that he says. He says, beware, right? Be careful. Watch out. I feel like this is Jesus screaming at us, right? Not literally, but maybe he's just screaming at us, trying to grab our attention. Beware of doing these things. Beware of practicing your righteousness so that other people may see it, right? He's trying to grab hold of us and grab our attention because here's what can happen is that on one side of the boat, we're spiritual poverty, but on the other side of the boat, we're trying to be the spiritual hero, trying to do everything for everybody, and all of a sudden, it's going to leave us empty. And it matters greatly what we do and why we do what we do. Because Jesus warns us here that it's not about us. So here's a challenge I want to give to you guys. Whenever it comes to living out our relationship with God, 
whenever it comes to doing things for God where people are going to see the things that we're doing. Because here it's, it's a lot of visualness, right? We see people leading worship. We see people preaching. We see people giving in the offering box. We see people serving. Whenever it comes to giving back and people are going to see the things that we do, my question is what are we pointing them to, right? Are we pointing them to ourselves or are we pointing them to our Father, allowing him to get the glory because he's the only one who deserves the glory. So Jesus says this, beware of practicing your righteousness. A couple things I want to do there is I want to pause. Is it on the screen? Yeah, sweet. Notice this. Is that Jesus expects us to practice righteousness, right? It's an expectation out of our relationship with him, right? It's not like, hey, if you guys want to do this, here's how you do it, right? It's an expectation. Whenever you practice your righteousness, here's how I want you to do it. Right? It's not if you practice your righteousness. It's beware of when you're doing this, right? Whenever you practice your righteousness, and I want to talk about this term righteousness because that sounds like a crazy theological churchy word, and maybe you really know what it means, right? Let's kind of define this term really quick. Righteousness is a right standing before God. So a right standing before God. So let's say that I owe Lamont 10 bucks, right? That means that I am in debt to him $10. He's like, man, I'll, I'll take 10 bucks right now, right? Let's say I owe him $10, and then I'm like, yeah, bro, I'll pay you later. Next Sunday comes around, he's like, hey, man, where's my 10 bucks, right? And I'm like, oh, man, I got you. I'm going to pay you later. Don't worry about it. Next Sunday comes around, right? So I am in debt to him $10, right? I am not in right standing with my relationship with him because I owe him something, right? The Bible in Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Because of our sin and God's holiness, we don't stand right before God, right? But here's the good news. What Jesus did for us and our faith in him allows us to stand right before God because Jesus says, I'm covering all that, meaning the sin that you had that blocked you and your relationship with God, I covered that on the cross. And by your faith in me, now you're covered. Now you're in right standing with God, right? So that's the idea of righteousness, that we are in right standing before God because of our belief in Jesus Christ. And righteousness for so long used to be this idea that we can do something ourselves in order to be in right standing before God. If I just do this enough, if I read the Bible enough, if I go to church every single Sunday, if I do all these things, if I do, do, and do all these things, then all of a sudden I'll be in right standing with God. But Jesus is saying, no, because that's the wrong motivation of why you're doing all those things, right? It's, it comes out of an overflow of a relationship with him. It's not so much of things that we could accomplish. And here's the beauty of that. Because if we think that if we can do all these accomplishments to get a right relationship with God, that means that we are saying this, that there was no purpose for Jesus in the cross, right? If we think, yeah, like I, I can do all this stuff. I don't need Jesus. I don't need the cross. I don't need all that stuff. I can do all these things and be right with God, right? But Jesus says, hey, I went to the cross. That way you don't have to do all that stuff, right? See, it's not based on our accomplishments. It's based on the accomplishment that Jesus already did for us. And all we have to do is put our faith in that. And sometimes it sounds kind of easy, but it's also really not that easy. So our pursuit of righteousness, it shows the genuineness of our relationship with God. So whenever we have this genuine relationship with God, we're right standing with God. Then now what we do is we pursue righteousness, meaning we do these outward expressions that flow out of our relationship with God. Meaning that, that just how we interact with people, the words that we say, the things that we post, the things that we do, the way that we serve, how we give back. It's showing that this is happening because God is pouring into me, so I'm going to pour into other people, right? Our pursuit of righteousness shows the genuineness of our relationship with God. Let me kind of say it this way. My relationship with Summer, who's my wife, right? 
So I can post pictures all the time and get like a million more likes than I normally do because every time I post a picture with her, it gets way more likes. I can do all that and show like how awesome our relationship is, right? Hey, we're at the park. Everything is great. Hey, we're having date nights together. Everything is great. And all I'm doing is posting all these pictures of us two, right, all the time. And people can look at that and say, man, you guys have an awesome relationship. Everything is so good, right? But then what if like personally, like at home, I'm not really loving her the way I'm showing that on social media, right? There's going to be a disconnect there, right? If I'm showing the world that our relationship is this perfect marriage and this perfect relationship, all of a sudden people outside are going to think, man, you guys are doing great. But then inside, we're really not because all I'm doing is just showing people, pretending to people that I'm doing all this stuff, right? That's called fake news, right? It's we're displaying something that's actually not there, right? And, and that's what, what Jesus is talking about, that when we're giving to the needy in order to be seen by others, we're trying to display to the people around us of something that's not really inside of us, right? That we're just like, yeah, I'm going to give back because I want you to, to, to think that I have a good relationship with God. But I really don't because I don't really care about my inside. I just want to show you that, that everything on the outside is good, right? But yet we're promoting something that doesn't actually exist. There should be a genuine pursuit of God in the things that we do with God and for God. A genuine pursuit after him. So our pursuit of righteousness, our pursuit of doing good things with God, doing, doing good things for God, our pursuit of righteousness, it flows from personal devotion. Now, hear me, hear me when I say this. It flows from personal devotion. And if it doesn't, it's going to be for public perception. Meaning this, if our relationship with God doesn't flow from personal devotion, that means that everything we're doing for him on the outside is only for the purpose so that other people can see us. And look what Jesus says about that. He says this. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then, what would be the reward that we get if we're just doing this to be seen by others? Put it back up there. What's the reward? If we're doing this to be seen by others, what's the reward? No reward, right? No reward. Which is kind of funny because there actually is a reward for that. And the reward is this, that you're going to be seen by others, right? But Jesus equates that with having no reward at all. Why? Because whenever we do things to impress people, it's going to drain us so much, and we're going to feel empty. And Jesus says, I'm not coming here to bring you emptiness. I want you to bring you fullness, right? There's no reward whenever we do things for public recognition, for public perception. It leads to emptiness, and Jesus' desire is to bring us fullness. So here's, here's the next challenge. How do we pursue righteousness the right way, Right? So if, if we understand this, that it's, it's our expectation to pursue righteousness as believers of Jesus, then how do we do it the right way? Because Jesus is saying, here's how not to do it, right? Don't do it in order to be seen, but how do we do it the right way, right? Like, like what do we do now? How do we do good things for God the right way? First, get over yourself, right? Get over myself. You I know, mean, I love me some me, but I got to get over me too at the same time, right? One of my favorite verses, and it's also very challenging, it's not going to be on the screen, but you can write it down if you want to, is Luke 9.23. In Luke 9, 23, Jesus says, hey, if you guys want to follow me, here's what you have to do. You have to take up your cross, deny yourself daily, and then come follow me. You know what Jesus is saying? I know you love you some you, but you got to get over you at the same time, right? Denying yourself. Get over yourself, right, every single day. And says that, deny yourself daily. Why? Because it's a daily struggle that we fight against the pride and the desire for public recognition. It's a daily struggle that we want people to recognize what we're doing. Right, which is not really like, I mean, I, it, it's, it's, it's really tough because we want people to notice us, right? And sometimes when people don't notice us, it just drains us because it makes us think we're not doing anything good, 
right? So there, there's, there's a, a moment in time that we're going to, like, look at the way that each other is serving, and we're going to say, man, you're doing an awesome job, right? And that's not a bad thing just to, to really bring that joy upon each other, but we always have to come back to the why we're doing as we're doing the what. So here's the first point I want to make. How do we pursue righteousness the right way? Number one is this. The pursuit of righteousness comes from remembering who you are. The pursuit of righteousness comes from remembering who you are. Let me show you what I mean by that. Look back at the passage, Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from who? No reward from who? Say it out loud. Your father, right? Jesus doesn't say this. He doesn't say, hey, beware of practicing your righteousness because there's a spirit in the air that's not going to give you anything, right? He doesn't say there's not going to be any reward from the father. What does he do? He makes it personal. He says from your father, right? As a believer of Jesus, we are given a new identity, and now we have this new inheritance, and we're also sons and daughters of the king, right? That we have this father who is now over us, right? And Jesus, what he does in this moment is he makes it personal. He says, whenever you practice righteousness out of your personal devotion, understand this, that it, there's not going to be a reward from your father. So what Jesus is doing in this moment to me is he's reminding me of whose I belong to, right? That, that this is your father, right? That this is who you belong to. And, and look what he does again. Go down to verse, um, to verse 4. He says, whenever you give, do not let your life, left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret and your father who sees in secret rewards you, right? He does it again. He reminds us, your father, and he says it again, your father, right? I believe when the Bible repeats itself, it, it, he's, God's trying to scream at us that something's important. He's reminding us by this repetition and saying, I want you to stop here. Pause for a second. In this culture of us wanting to do so much over and over and over, especially in the season of Christmas where we're just constantly doing and doing and doing, we, we tend to forget the why we're doing what we're doing. And what, what Jesus is telling us here is, hey, pause, slow down, stop, remember me, remember who you belong to, because it is your father that's going to reward you, and it's your father who sees in secret what we're doing. It's, it's that personal devotion and relationship with your father that's going to overflow into doing all these outward deeds that God's calling us to go after, right? Once again, he says, whenever you do these things, not if you do these things, it's an expectation and what, what I love about this expectation is that Jesus makes it personal. Your father who sees in secret will reward you. He's causing us to slow down. He's causing us to pause in this moment as we're doing this. And, and I started thinking about this. Why is this such a big deal? Why is it a big deal? Why does Jesus warn us against public perception? Why does Jesus warn us against public recognition? And, and here's what I started thinking about because of this. Whenever we, get the, like whenever we get the praise from people, if I do something and you guys say, man, Danny, that was awesome what you did. I'm like, yeah, you know, that was pretty awesome. Thank you. And, and if, if I allow this praise from people to overcome my life, you know what that's going to lead to? It's going to lead to pride, right? And here's the other thing. Why does, Jesus, why does Jesus make this a big deal? Because whenever we allow the praise from people, it's going to remove the praise of God, right? Which we do everything for God's glory because he is our father, right? that we are the salt and light for the glory of God. And that's why Jesus makes this a big deal, because it leads to pride and it removes the praise of God. And it's the name of Jesus that's going to be lifted high, not our name. 
here's the second thing. So first thing, the pursuit of righteousness comes from remembering who we are and really remembering who we belong to. Second thing is this, pretty simple. Live it out, don't act it out. Live it out, don't act it out. Let me show what I mean by that. Um, the other day, uh, I had to work on a research paper, and usually I like gathering details and gathering information from people. Um, and one of the easiest ways to do that is put a poll on social media, right? Hey, uh, here's this question. I want you guys to answer this question. So the question that I put out for people to answer was, what do you think is the biggest hindrance to Christianity? Meaning this, what do you think is the biggest struggle that people have on Christians, on our Christian faith, in our belief in Jesus? What do you guys think is the biggest hindrance, the biggest struggle that people have towards Christianity? Anybody have a guess what, like, the dominant answer was? What? Hypocrisy, right? I mean, there are several responses and several different answers of all kinds of categories, but the overarching dominant answer was hypocrisy, meaning that Christians are hypocrites, meaning they say one thing, but yet they do and practice another thing. They say one thing, and they show they want to do all these great things, but yet they have a hidden agenda of why they're doing what they're doing, right? That's what people are saying about our faith, right? People who are looking at us and seeing us, that's what they think, right? That Christians are hypocrites, right? That was the overarching response. Look what Jesus says. Because this was not just an issue in 2019. It was also an issue back then whenever Jesus was preaching. Verse 2. Whenever you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others, right? So Jesus is saying, these hypocrites, this is what they do. Whenever they give back, they want other people to know it. So they sound a trumpet, they make a lot of noise, they're trying to grab people's attention and say, look at what I'm doing, right? Look how awesome I am giving back. You see this poor person? Look, take a picture, right? And then we we get a picture of them, like, you know, giving back, right? Look look how awesome we are, right? And that's what Jesus was warning us. He says, don't be like the hypocrites who are doing these things, right? And that idea of, of being a hypocrite, it has this connotation of being an actor. Why? Because actors, what they do is they pretend to be someone that they're not. No offense, Steve, right? For five hours, Steve pretended to be a dead guy laying on the floor. Amen? I don't know. It was cold outside. That's what he said, right? But it has this connotation, this way to being an actor because you're pretending to be someone that you're not. I love Captain America in the Marvel movies, but when I go to see Chris Evans in person, I'll be like, oh, look, there's Captain America. He's like, dude, I'm actually a real person. My name is Chris, right? I'm actually not Captain America. It's like, okay, to me you are, bro. That's all I know you as, right? But this idea of being hypocritical is you're acting out. You're doing things to show people that you're pretending to be something that you're not, right? And that's the biggest hindrance that people have towards Christianity. So I want you to, I want you to hear this point. If what we do in our relationship with God is done for the purpose of public recognition, it's not righteousness, it's selfishness. I'll say it again. If what we do in our relationship with God is done for the purpose of public recognition, is done for the purpose to be seen by others, we're not pursuing righteousness, we're pursuing selfishness. The selfish desire to be praised by others, right? And this is a scary thing because... It's different than being angry towards somebody because whenever you're angry towards somebody, like, it just, it's common. It makes sense, right? You're like, this person did something bad towards me, so I'm going to be mad at them. I'm going to slap them, and I hope they turn to their cheek because I want to slap them twice, right? We, we think those ways, right? It's kind of easy to see that, but, 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 but let me see this. This is why this one's so dangerous because we can be doing great things for God and serving the church and giving back and giving our money, giving our time, giving our efforts, but that's where it can be dangerous because then we're doing it for the wrong reasons. So on the outside, it looks like we're great, 
right? You can see the expression of anger and see something's wrong with that person, right? But this one's more of a hiddenness towards it. It's more in the inside. That on the outside, everything can look amazing. Everything can look awesome, right? I'm preaching right now. And you may be thinking, man, Danny's the greatest Christian of all time. But inside, I might be broken. You have no idea, right? That's why this one's so dangerous. That's why we fight our battles together. Because if I don't share the brokenness that I have inside me with somebody else that's helping me walk through with this life, then it's always going to be hidden. And it's always going to be this perception that I am something that I'm claiming to be, but I'm actually not, right? That's why this one is so dangerous. And that's why Jesus says, beware of doing this, right? Jesus is grabbing our attention in this moment. He was also halfway through a sermon, and it was really, really like deep at that time, so he, people were probably like getting like brain dead. So he's like, beware, wake up, right? So Jesus is saying, don't act like someone whose righteousness, someone who does great things, yet you're doing it for the wrong reasons. You are the salt and light. That's your identity. You are this. So our pursuit of righteousness flows from personal devotion or it's going to be for public perception. And here's the beauty. As we continually pursue God, we pursue a relationship with him, God's going to open our eyes to ways that we can now serve him, right? He's going to open our eyes. He's going to allow us to see the neighborhood differently. He's going to allow us to see the people around us differently in ways that we can now go and serve and love them out of the overflow of this. So I want to close with this story. This is Luke chapter 10. It'll be on the screen as well if you don't want to turn there. Luke chapter 10 is a famous story. It's a story of the Good Samaritan. I'm going to read it really quick, and I want to talk about it really quick. This is Jesus giving this story, this parable. Watch what happens. And behold, a lawyer came to Jesus, stood up and put him to the test. So this lawyer, a very smart person, came to Jesus asking this question. Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Pause there. Right? A lawyer comes up to Jesus. What do I got to do to inherit eternal life? It's all, he's already asking this question based on the accomplishments that he can do himself, right? So he's already on the wrong side of the boat. He's already asking the question in the wrong way. What can I do to get this, this, inherit this eternal life, right? He's already asking the question for the wrong reason. Jesus said to him, what is written in law? How do you read it? And this guy said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live, right? So, so this guy goes to Jesus, what can I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says, what, is the, what does the Bible say? And he knows the right answer, right? From the outside perspective, man, this guy is wise. This guy is smart. He knows the Bible, right? Give him a mic. Let him preach the word, right? He's ready to go, right? See, we can know the right answers, but we can still live wrongly. We've got to be careful with that, right? We can memorize all the Bible we want, but if it's not inside our heart, we're not going to live for it. Then look what happens. So you've answered correctly, do this. But then the lawyer says this, how do desiring to justify himself, who is my neighbor, Jesus, right? Jesus says, you know, love your neighbor as yourself. Well, who's my neighbor, right? He's trying to like kind of like steer Jesus around. He's trying to trick him and say like, well, I don't really want to love that person, but I'm down to love this person, right? And, and he wants to clarify like, like, who is this neighbor? Well, anyone that's around you is your neighbor. Jesus replied with this story. He said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. He fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed and leaving him half dead. So there's this guy going from one city to the other. These robbers took everything he had. They beat him, and he was almost dead right at this point. Now, by chance, a priest was going down that road. A religious person was going down that road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Religious person looks at the guy who was half dead. I'm going to walk by on the other side. 
Look at this. So likewise, a Levite, which that's a person who was assistant to the priest, who helped the priest, he came to a place and saw him. Same guy, still beaten, half dead, but he passed by on the other side. Two religious people passing by on the other side when they saw someone in need. Look what happens. A Samaritan, who at this time culturally, they were not viewed as good people, and Jesus praises this guy, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. And he went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring an oil and wine. And he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. So he took his own animal. He took his time out of his day to take him to this hotel and says, hey, I want you to put this guy here. He needs help, right? The next day, he took two denarii of his own money, gave it to the innkeeper and said, take care of him. Whatever more you spend, I'm going to come back and I'm going to pay you, right? So this guy's like, he's just going the extra mile, right? Like what Larry talked about the other day of taking care of this guy, right? It's like, man, we could have just talk. Did you talk about that then? You did? My bad. It's good stuff. Though. Take care of him. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. So here's this question of why this story came to mind. Obviously, we go the extra mile and do those things. But I just had this thought, right? Jesus is going after religious people in the Sermon on the Mount and saying, why are you doing what you're doing? I, I just kind of wonder, like, if there was a crowd there, like, around this guy who was beaten half dead, if those religious people would have stopped, right? Because then there would have been people to see what they were doing, right? Public perception. Oh, dang, there's this guy who's half dead. There's this crowd here. I want to show that how awesome I am, and I want to show how much I serve. So I'm going to stop and help this guy. But the guy who actually helped didn't care about the crowd that was around him. He just did it out of the compassion for his heart, right? Personal devotion, this personal relationship with God is going to overflow into the world around us, right? But here's the danger. If we try doing everything in our own strength, it's going to leave us empty and dry. Whenever we serve empty and dry, it's going to leave us in this mess because then we're, we're trying to pour into other people, but yet we have nothing to pour out, right? But it's God pouring into us so that we can now overflow and pour to other people. Jesus says, hey, whenever you do this, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. He's not like really physically saying like, like your left hand has like this idea of what your right hand is doing. He, he's showing us the, this, this, this motive behind everything that we're trying to do. So what is your motivation behind what you're doing? My hope and prayer is that you're motivated by the cross of Jesus Christ. Because it is, it is Jesus who went the extra mile for us. It is Jesus who went to the cross for us. It is Jesus who did all the accomplishments needed so that we can be in right standing before God. And now as we show this righteousness towards other people, now we're going to see God do amazing things around us. And as we pursue this personal relationship with Jesus, he's going to open up our eyes on how we view people. That this person that everybody is walking by, we're actually going to be the ones to stop. Not for public recognition, but because we see this person as someone that God loves, so we're going to love them too, right? So we're not going to walk by, right? We're going to stop and pause and sacrifice our time and effort because every time we give, it's going to sacrifice something. But yet our motivation is the one who sacrificed everything so that we can have a relationship with him. And so maybe for you right now, you're just like, man, I've been trying to impress people for so long and I'm done impressing people, right? I'm tired of impressing people. Then my, my desire for you would be to come to Jesus because he says this, that everybody who is tired and weary, that he is the one who gives us rest when we come to Jesus. Come to Jesus, right? Have those moments with him. And secondly, this, maybe for you, you're just like, I don't have this personal devotion with Jesus, and I want to have that personal relationship with Jesus. Then my desire for you 
is begin that personal relationship with Jesus now, and you'll see the overflow of that go out into the rest of the world. But it starts with having that individual personal relationship with him first. Let me pray for you. Father God, we love you so much. God, we thank you for all that you're doing. God, we thank you for Jesus, for the cross, for going the extra mile for us. God, for being that motivation uh, that we can look at and say, man, this is why we do what we do. And God, I pray that we would be caution of why we're doing everything that we're doing, God, that we would understand that for, that we don't want to do anything for ourselves. We don't want to do anything for our glory, for our recognition, because it's your glory alone. So as we serve, as we give back, as we love people, it is solely for the glory of your name. And God, for anybody in this room that doesn't know Jesus as Savior, that doesn't have that personal devotion, doesn't have that personal relationship, I pray they would come to know Jesus right now. Understanding that the only way we have righteousness is because of the accomplishments that Jesus had. So, Father, we love you. We give this morning over to you. In Jesus' name, amen.